Thank you for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. Our prayer is that when you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. We want to make sure you know all about our new online campus. Visit thelifeonline.cc to find our brand new platform where you can find short messages on topics like prophecy, forgiveness, healing, and so much more. Each month, we release multiple new series for you to be able to grow in the knowledge of God and the Bible. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you for the opportunity uh, to be about your business, to be about the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you that today we just receive all that you have for us. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you that all that we hear, all that you speak to us, that we just not be hearers only, but Father, I thank you that we'll be doers of it. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. Well, I want to introduce you guys to my family. They'll put a picture up on the screen. I know many of you guys uh, probably know us or you've seen us over the years. Um, that good-looking guy right there, the tallest one, that's me. Uh, the, the second tallest one, that's my oldest son. And uh, that's Max. And we've got Lakes, my middle son. He likes to go by Braden, so don't call him Lake unless you want to upset him. Um, and then my youngest, Jagger. And then my beautiful wife, Hope, who's on the front row. And uh, so love you guys. And we've also got two amazing people going with us today, Mallory Denson and Xavier Shore. And uh, so can we give it up for them real quick? They're going to be headed to Portland with us as well. And uh, so we're, we're so excited about it. But the name of our church is going to be called Story Church. And the mission of the church is simple. It's just to help people find God in their story. And our, our vision is to be a diverse, multi-site church that helps people find God in their story, to find community, to find purpose, to find fulfillment. And uh, so we just believe that you guys have an amazing church here at Word of Life, and we want to do something very similar in the Pacific Northwest because Word of Life is amazing, it's life-changing, and they need a great church like that up there. Amen? Well, I want to share with you a little bit about the city of Portland. Uh, quick, Quickly, if you've ever been to Portland, raise your hands real quick. Got a decent amount of hands, so I figured most people hadn't been to Portland before, so I wanted to share with you a little bit about the city. Uh, but before we do that, I want to share with you a little bit about our plan. So we're heading out towards the end of this, uh, this month of May coming up, so it's in no time at all. And we're going to get out there, we're going to get settled in and uh, learn the city, spend some time praying. And, uh, you know, in a few months after that, we're going to start having preview services, build a team. And then in January 2023, we're going to launch our first big service and advertise it to the community. So it's going to be here before you know it. And uh, we're sad to leave all the friends and family, but excited about what God is going to do in the future. But a little bit about the city of Portland. Uh, if you've never been there before, it's beautiful. Uh, you can see on a day that's not cloudy, Mount Hood in the distance, no matter where you're at. It's got beautiful rivers that run through it. So it's just got amazing things to look at. Uh, but it's a big city. It's one of the top 25 biggest cities in the country. It's got about 2.5 million people uh, that live in the Portland metro area. And in the whole state of Oregon, 80% of people live in the Portland metro area. So it's a huge state, but most everybody lives in that particular area. Um, it usually has around 40 million or so people come visit the city each year. So if you're a basketball fan, the Trailblazers are there. Uh, they also have a professional soccer team, if that's your thing. Um, but Portland's known for a couple other things as well. Uh, it's known as the City of Roses. It's got famous rose gardens in different areas of the city. But also, once upon a time, Portland in the late 1800s, it's been a minute, right, was known as the city of churches. 
Um, there were so many churches and God was doing such a big work in the city during that time that there was a national news article wrote up in the newspaper that gave it the nickname, the city of churches. And a lot has changed in the last 120 years, but we believe that God is sending us out there and with his help and your generosity and the prayers of our church family, that God's going to do a big thing again, that we're going to be part of bringing light back to a dark place so that God can begin to move and change lives in Portland, Oregon, just like he's doing in Jackson, Mississippi. And so we're super excited about that. It's got so many wonderful things about the city, but it also has a lot of great need as well, just like any city that you go to. So I want to share with you a little bit about the need spiritually, but also naturally about the Portland area. First, spiritually, Portland is known as the number one most unaffiliated church metro in the country. So what does that mean exactly? That means if you have 10 people, 7 out of 10 people do not go to church. Not only do they not go to church, they don't identify with any kind of denomination. And so if we had 10 people up here on stage today, three of them go to church, three of them probably have a relationship with God and are probably going to heaven. The other seven is a big question mark. Do they even know God? They've never been to church in many cases. And so there's great spiritual need there. And anytime you have great spiritual need, you also have great natural need as well. So the city has wonderful things, but it's also got some other things going on with it. In Portland, the crime rate's 124% higher than the national average. It has a a big issue with, with homelessness. And they'll put a picture behind me on the screen here. You'll see these tents all throughout the city, literally all throughout the city. And you have many homeless that live on the streets. They, they have these camps that they kind of band together to live life. Many of them with addiction, many of them with mental illness, but all of them without hope. They need somebody to care for them, to love them, to show them God's love. And all these things, they, they need great love and they need God's power in their life because there's so much great need in the city of Portland with the homeless. But also, Portland has got more strip clubs per capita than any other city in the entire country, which makes it the number two city for child sex trafficking in the entire United States. So I want you to think about that for just a moment. Of all the cities in the United States, it's ranked number two for child sex trafficking. There's so much great need in the city of Portland, spiritually, but also naturally as well. And me and my wife, last year, we had the opportunity to go out there and kind of scout out the land and spend some time praying in the city and figure out where in the world will we live, where in the world will we start this church, and just let God begin to speak to us. And we had this night that we literally experienced almost every single one of these needs that I just got done listening to you in a matter of a few hours' time. You see, we were staying in this nice hotel downtown, and we were just kind of wrapping up the trip. We had a flight out the next morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. Don't you guys love those flights where it's like, what's the point in even sleeping? Well, we didn't sleep that night, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second. But we got home from dinner, and we were in this hotel. We're on the second floor. There's this big window. We're overlooking just this one city block right here. Our rental car is down here along with about 50 other rental cars. And so we're like, It's Friday night. Everybody's going out to do all kinds of different stuff. And so the city starts heating up and people are walking in all directions and it's starting to kind of get busy in that area. So we said, we'll just watch people for a while. And all of a sudden down below us, there's a couple of homeless people. They were asking for money. They needed, they needed help. Whether it was for food or for whatever else, they needed somebody to give them a hand. All while, a few minutes later, there was a guy that would come up to every single car in the parking lot and try to break in. 
including our rental car. He, he had a bad day that day because everybody had locked their car, so there was no luck for him to get into any car. All the while, while this guy's doing this, off to your left there, there's a police car dealing with a domestic dispute. And we're like, oh, wow. And then off to, to the right of us, really between from the front of the stage to the back of the auditorium here, we saw this building, and it began to be dozens of people came in and out of it. We're like, what in the world is that? And then we realized it was a, a strip club. And what started as dozens became literally hundreds in a few hours' time came in and out of this place. At the same time, we saw two people come out um, from that strip club. One of them was a young man. One of them was a young woman. Their early 20s at the latest. They begin to get in one car and leave and come back. One car, leave and come back, and they were being sex trafficked. It was very obvious. And we were just taken back by the need. I'm thinking, this is one city block in this city. God, I, I really begin to see why you're sending us here, what the need is spiritually, what the need is naturally. But then what was going to happen later that night was even more crazy. So we went to sleep, or try to go to sleep, thinking about getting up super early for that flight. And all of a sudden at 2 a.m., we heard this, boom, 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 boom. And I, I woke up and I thought to myself, man, that's a little too many booms to be a car backfiring. I mean, even if you got a jacked up car, it doesn't backfire that much. And so my wife, Hope, woke up. She said, what was that? She said, was that gunshots? I said, just stay in bed. So I peeled back the covers and I, I kind of walked over there because we're on the second floor and the window's right there. And I knew it was close. And so I pulled it back. And what I began to see, I'll never forget for the rest of my life. I saw people running in every single direction running for their life. They didn't know where the shots came from. They didn't know whether the people were still there. People running this way, people running this way. Then I looked over to me about between here and where the sound booth is, right outside of our hotel door, I saw friends screaming, kneeling over other friends. Seven people had been shot right right in front of us. Within minutes, the police got there. The ambulance got there. They're loading people up. And I thought, oh, my God, we got to get out of here. We need to go fast. So I said, Hope, come on, we need to go. Let's go on and go to the airport early, and uh, let's get our stuff and, and get out of here. She said, okay, hang on, let me get my makeup on real quick. I said, no, I don't think you understand. <laughs> They're moving rather quickly, getting these bodies out of here. <laughs> they, had, they had already caution taped up where our, park, our parking lot was for our car. They'll put a picture of the, the scene from that night. Um, you can see where the caution tape is. is so we went out there and I told the police officer, I was like, hey, we got an early flight. Can we get out of here? She said, did you hear or see anything? I said, oh, we for sure heard something. She said, all right, well, they'll let the tape up. Tell me you didn't hear anything. Tell me you didn't see anything. Get out of here. I said, okay, you don't got to tell me twice. <laughs> so we went there. We headed to the hotel, not to the hotel, to the airport rather, and got there. Nobody's there, but like the, the janitor and the cleaning staff because it's so early. And we're just sitting on the floor of the airport. We're like, wow, what a night. God, we really see such need. And this is just one block in the Portland area. And so I'm wanting to know what happened exactly. And I'm checking the news feed every, every 30 minutes to see what happened. A few hours later, it popped up and it showed seven people were shot, one of which was an 18-year-old girl that didn't survive. And I think about seven people being shot, and I think about seven out of ten people have no affiliation with church, and most likely with God. And I can't help but think in that moment and still today, was that lady, that young girl that lost her life that night, 
was she one of the three or was she one of the seven? And I don't know. But I do know this, is that they need Jesus. They need a great life-giving church in addition to all the great churches out there. And we began to see why God was calling us out there. Because there's great spiritual need, but there's also great natural need. But the story of us heading to Portland starts like the beginning of January 2020. The question I get from everybody is this, why in the world are you going to Portland? Why are you leaving the South? It's so wonderful here. Everybody's so nice. Why would you go out there? It rains all the time, all these different things. I love the rain, actually. But maybe that's why God is sending me. But the truth of it is, in, in January 2020, I was praying about the new year. I said, God, speak to me about my family. What would you have me focus on for my my marriage, for my three boys. And in that moment, God didn't speak to me any of those things. You ever have one of those moments where it's like, you're asking God about something, he's like, hold up, that's not important, let's focus on this first. So I had that moment with God where he's like, we'll get to that later, I have something I want to tell you. And he spoke to me two things that day. He said, Ryan, I don't want you to be closed-minded, I want you to be open-minded to what I want to do in your life. And he said the second thing, he said, I want you to make room in your life for something new. I thought, oh, wow, maybe we're going to move houses. We've been talking about maybe we'll move to Madison one day. Eventually, you know, we knew the church would probably have a campus out there. And so you ever had those times where you're thinking is so small compared to God's His thoughts and his ways are so much higher than ours? I said, okay, God, I'm going to just keep on praying about this. I don't know exactly what you're telling me in this, but I know that you'll show me soon. And so I went on about my business. And so a couple weeks later, I'm praying, and God speaks to me, and he says, Ryan, I want you to plan a church. I laughed out loud. I said, you want me to do what, God? You want me to plan a church? I said, that's funny, God. I said, where in the world do you want me to plant this church? Because I said, it's definitely not going to be in Mississippi because I'm like, where are life's got campuses everywhere. They got it covered. <laughs> and so he said, I want you to, to pull up this church planning website to see where there's the greatest need, and I just want you to pray. So I said, okay. Anytime God speaks something to you and you laugh, he's about to ask something big. So I began to pray and I began to just zoom in with my mouse. You know when you're on your phone or your computer and you zoom in and a city pops up, the closer you get, well, all of a sudden the city of Portland pops up. And he said, that's where I want you to plant a church. I said, okay, God. I've had three times in my life where I knew I heard from God, like you know, know that you heard from God. One of them was who I was supposed to marry. The other one was supposed to be moving here 19 years ago to help Pastor Joel in this moment. And so you know when you have those moments. But I said, okay, God, I'm just going to keep praying about this. I don't want to get ahead of you, but I know and I really believe that you're calling us to do this. And it was, it was a couple months later, and um, I was eating at Table 100 with, with Pastor Luke, and uh, he got up to go use the, the restroom real quick. And so I was scrolling through social media, and they're going to put a picture of what came up on my feed behind me. And it was a picture of baptism. If you can't see this really well, you can see water, you can see people. That's the main point here is that people were getting baptized. And this was in 2020 that this evangelist went to go preach in downtown on the waterfront during the 100 days of protests and riots that took place in the city of Portland when it was in the news literally every single night for a season. You probably remember that. And I came across this picture on my feed And I just began to cry right there in the restaurant. 
And I thought, man, this fried chicken is good, but it's not good enough to make me cry. <laughs> and I said, oh, man, what, what's going on here, God? This is not me to be crying in this restaurant. And I'm sure Luke came back and was wondering, what's, what's going on? And so I said, okay, now it's time to talk to Hope. So I came home, and I said, okay, we need to talk, babe. She's like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And I said, nothing's wrong. I just thank God, and I know God's asking us to do something pretty big. She said, okay, what is it? I said, I'm pretty sure he's telling us that we're supposed to plant a church in Portland. She said, okay, let's do it. I said, well, why don't you pray about it for a couple of days? <laughs> this is a big move. It's a big move for our family, and um, I'm so thankful for my wife because she's ride or die for sure. And... Um, so if I told me that, I don't know that I would have necessarily followed that quickly. Um, so I told her about it. She said, yeah, I know we're supposed to go. And soon after I shared with Pastor Joel what I felt like he was putting on our heart, and that thus became the journey of us getting to this place where we're about to move. But in that moment, when God initially spoke to my heart and said, I want you to plant a church in Portland, he said this to me. He said, this is something that I want, and this is something that I need. He said, will you do this for me? And I said, of course I will, God. Why else are any of us here other than to do what God is calling us to do and reach the people that God's calling us to reach? And so immediately my answer was yes, and I will make myself available, and I will do the thing that you're asking me to do. And in that moment, I gave God my gift of surrender. And that's what I want to share with you for just a few minutes today about We'll have communion and worship at the end of service, but I want to talk to you about how to give God your gift of surrender. And I want to share with you out of the story in Genesis 22. It's a famous story in scripture where you've got Abraham and Isaac. God comes to Abraham and he asks Isaac for his son. It's a big ask, right? To give the most precious, special thing in his life to God because God wanted to see his faithfulness. He wanted to see his love. He wanted to see his worship to see what is your true character Abraham, because I want to do something great in your life, but I need to see exactly where your heart is. So this is a test for you to see, will you give me your surrender? You see, because faith is when we trust God, but faithfulness is when God can trust us. And in this moment, he seemed to ask Abraham, can I trust you? Will you be faithful? And in Genesis 22, it says, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. The first thing that we have to do to give God our gift of surrender is this, is we've got to position our heart and our ears to hear from God. I love how this story starts off because immediately Abraham hears God's voice. He knows God's voice accurately. And so when the father is calling, Abraham knows one thing. He knows God's voice. And what does he respond and say? Immediately he says, here I am. God, I hear you. What is it that you have for me today? What is it that you're asking me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to see? God, here I am. I'm available to you to do whatever you want me to do. And so God begins to tell him what he wants him to do. And in this moment, we see when we position our heart to hear that God sometimes will come to us and he'll ask for sacrifice in our life. God's not going to ask us to sacrifice our child, obviously. And in case you didn't know, spoiler alert, he doesn't actually sacrifice his kid. God sends another sacrifice. So I just want to put you at ease for a moment in case you've never read it before. But there are times where God will come to your life and he will ask for your Isaac. And for me and for you, our Isaac might be different. For me, my Isaac might be moving to Portland. Not might be, it is. To go plant a church. For you, your Isaac might be to go help out and do something for the kingdom. 
It might be to give to this place. It might be to invest into certain people. It might be to serve in church. It might be to be involved in outreach. It looks different for each one of us. But in those moments, if we're going to be positioned to hear, we've got to make the decision to do the thing that God told me to do. He said, don't be closed-minded. Be open-minded to what I want to do. You see, if our heart is not open to hear what God wants us to do, we'll be closed-minded and we'll miss the thing and we'll miss the destiny and the call of God for our life and we will miss the people that we are supposed to go reach. And God's got something huge on the other side, but on the other side of it, he's waiting for one thing, that when he speaks, will we follow? When he speaks to you to do that thing, when he speaks to me to do that thing, he asks for our Isaac. He asks for that gift of surrender. Will we follow? And the second thing we see in the story, and this is the second part of how you give your gift of surrender to God, is this after you've heard from God about what he's asking you to do, what he's putting on your heart, as you begin to prepare your life to give this gift to God. And in verse two, it says this, is It says, then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him, his son Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering and then set out to the place which God had told him. After we've heard from God about the gift that he wants us to give of surrender, I love this story because what does Abraham do? He gets up early the next morning. He adjusts his schedule. He adjusts his resources. He gets his staff. He gets the wood. He gets the rope. He gets the knife. He gets his son who's supposed to be the sacrifice. He gets it all together and he gets about doing what God is telling him to do. Because when God comes to you and asks for a gift, it's not so often because we ask for God to do things in our life so many times. Every day we come to the Father and ask for his help, and we should. But there are times when we get to give a gift back to God. And it is a precious moment, and it is a special moment, and we need to hear what that thing is. But then we need to prepare our life. We need to prepare our hands to be able to give this thing to God. Because when we have this moment, we realize that the greatest obstacle to God's will sometimes is our will. God came to Abraham and said, I want a gift. And in that moment, he knew God's will, but then he knew he had a will. Will he get up early the next morning? Will he go do the thing? Will he give this thing to God to show God his heart, his love, and his worship back to God? And there are times that we have to realize that sacrifice has a price when God has asked us to do something. So what in the world does it look like in order to prepare our life to give this gift of surrender? Well, we see here in this story with Abraham that he had to adjust a few things. So preparation simply is making the adjustments God is asking us to make in order to begin to give that thing to God. Sometimes he'll come to us and he'll ask us to adjust our schedule. And we've got to be willing to do so. He might say, I want you to spend less time here and more time here. I want you to spend more time in my, in my word, more time in prayer. Maybe he wants you to spend more time with your kids, more time with your spouse. Maybe he wants you to spend more time serving in the church, whatever it might be. He's going to ask us to adjust our schedule to give this gift of surrender. Because on the other side of it is something great, and there's somebody that we're called to reach. But sometimes God won't ask for our time. He'll ask us to simply adjust our finances. He might come to us and say, you know what? I want you to start sowing seed. I want you to start giving towards the kingdom of God for this because it's going to make a difference for eternity. So maybe it's a few less Starbucks. Maybe it's going out to eat a few less times, whatever it is, so that we can begin to invest something that is not temporary, but something that is permanent, that will last forever and all of eternity. So that the money that we give and the seed that we sow, one day we'll be able to stand 
next to people in India because you just got done building an amazing church and Bible school and orphanage in, in India because of the generosity that you showed. That is something that will last forever. And when we adjust our finances to sow into the work of God, we will stand before those people one day when we're in heaven and they will come to us and they will thank us and say, because you gave, I am saved. Because you gave, my life was changed. Because you gave, my marriage was restored. Fill in the blank, God can do it. It doesn't matter what it is, but sometimes he'll ask us to adjust our finances in order to give this gift of surrender to God. But then there are other times he'll ask us to adjust our relationships. You talk about a relationship adjustment whenever God says, hey, you know your son? He says, yeah. He was like, I want you to sacrifice him. That's a big adjustment, right? That's a big ask that God makes, but Abraham gets up early the next morning to get to it. For us to give this gift to surrender, God might be asking you, he might be asking me to make an adjustment in a relationship. That there are some people that will thrust you into what God is leading you to do, and they need to be a part of your story. And God wants you to adjust your relationships and spend more time with them. But there are many people that do not need to be a part of it. And if God is telling you to stop, and give a gift to surrender to stop spending time with this relationship and spend more time with this relationship. It's because he's setting you up to do something great and setting you up to do something for his kingdom. Because he knows where our treasure is, there is our heart also. And if we treasure a particular relationship that we don't need to treasure, we treasure our finances over him and we don't need to do that, whatever it might be, we've got to realize God will come to us and ask us to make these adjustments in our life. So the first thing we do is position our life to here. And then secondly, we begin to prepare to give our gift to God. And after that, there's only one thing left to do. It's to pour out our gift. Whatever that gift is, God's asking you to surrender. That gift of surrender. For all of us, it's something different. In Genesis 22, 9, it says, Then they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar there. He arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. There was only one thing left to do at this point, and that was to give his gift to surrender, to make the sacrifice to God. For many of you here this morning, God has spoken to you and you know that thing that you're supposed to surrender For some of you here, you've already begun to prepare your life to give this gift to God. And today, the only thing left to do is simply to pour out that gift before God. Because whenever we give that gift to God, it is worship. It is love. It is us pouring out our life and giving all of us to God and holding nothing back. And I love the story of the woman with the alabaster box of Jesus Because in this moment, you see that she adjusts her schedule. She comes and she finds Jesus. She adjusts her resources and her finances. She buys this perfume that is a year's worth of wages. And she comes to Jesus in this moment and she breaks open this alabaster box and she pours it out on Jesus to show her love, to show her worship to God, to show that he's so deserving. And everybody else in that room didn't understand it and they did not get why she was doing this, but the two people that got it are the two people that matter. She understood what she was doing and Jesus understood her gift of surrender that day. So much so that we're still here today all these years later talking about the gift of surrender that this precious lady gave. I had about a month ago where I was reading 
And I came across this journal entry from Mother Teresa. And after I read it, it just put tears in my eyes. And I'll paraphrase it, but she basically said this. She said, in the moments where I don't sense God or feel God's presence in my life, in those days, she said, I make it my aim that day to love God like he's never been loved before by me. As I read that, I said, oh, God, I've never even had that thought. I've told you I loved you a thousand times. But I've never woke up one particular day and said, God, today, the most important thing to me is to love you like you've never been loved before. And in that moment, God spoke back to me and he said, Ryan, he said, when I asked for something from you to plant that church in Portland because I wanted it and because I needed it, he said, it was that day that you made a decision to love me like I've never been loved before by you. What is God asking you to pour out? You may say, I want to do that. I want to love God like he's never been loved before by me. It's as easy as pouring out that gift of surrender, whatever it is that he's asking you to give, whatever he's asking you to give up, whatever he's asking you to adjust. That matters more than anything else in your life to give the king a gift whenever he asks for a gift. Because it's so worth it. Because the end of the story is this in Genesis twenty two sixteen, God begins to speak to Abraham after he shows that he is faithful. He says, by myself I've sworn, declares the Lord, because you've done this thing, you've not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I'll greatly bless you. Multiply your seed as the stars in the heavens. And as the sand on the seashore, your seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. When we pour out our gift, promotion is always coming. When we give our Isaac to God, there is always great blessing. There is always great promotion. There is always great destiny on the other side of our Isaac. And whatever the Isaac is that God is asking for you to give, whatever that gift of surrender is that God is asking you to give, pour it out to him. Love him like he's never been loved before by you. Do not wait. Do not delay. Do the thing. Get up early the next morning just like Abraham did. Adjust whatever you need to adjust to give it to God because there is one thing I know about God and that is this. Is anytime he makes a request, yes, it is for you to be used, but it is also because he wants to do something new and great in your life to be able to reach other people for his kingdom. Because so often in life we have this small thinking and he's like, if you do this, I can make your thinking bigger and I can take your life to something greater than you've ever seen before. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to sing a song in just a minute. And this song is a song of worship, but it's called Available. And in this song, it's also a prayer to pray to God to say, yes, God, whatever you're asking me to do, whatever gift you're asking me to give of surrender in my life, I will do it. My answer is yes. And I want to share one final quote with you from Mother Teresa as well. She said, we must know exactly when we say yes to God, what is in that yes. Yes means I surrender totally, fully, without counting any of the cost. When God came to me and asked for that gift of surrender to plant this church in Portland, 
Not for a second did I say, let me get back to you. Not for a second did I count the costs. I did not get a scale out and look at the pros and cons. I did not look at my bank account. I did not look at anything else but my heart. And to give God my answer is yes. And I want to encourage you, just like this quote says, when you give yes, your yes to God, don't take time and count all the costs and say, is it good? Is it bad? Is it this? Is it that? What's it going to take to do the thing? Just begin to step out and get up early the next morning and begin to prepare your life to give that gift to God. So when you come upon the day, when it's the day to pour out that gift before God, you will make the decision to love God like he has never been loved before by you. And I want to ask for your help today as we go out to go do this thing in Portland, to plant this church, to reach people as we're giving our yes to God. Our goal is to raise $625,000 to plant a church so that it can be excellent just like you enjoy here today with great worship and great kids ministry and all these wonderful things. And when you came in, you should have got a car. If you don't, they've got some out there in the foyer. It looks like this. It says, be a part of the story. We're asking for three things. Support us in prayer. Pray for us, our family, the city of Portland. But also, too, we want you to help us spread the word. If you know somebody or know somebody that knows somebody that lives in the greater Portland area, our link to our website's right here. There's a little form you can fill out. We'd love to reach them and tell them about Story Church. It's coming soon to an area near them. But the third area is to help support us financially. You can do a one-time gift or you can partner with us monthly, or you can do both if you want. But our greatest need is monthly partnership. And if you partner with us for any amount, this t-shirt I have on here today, we're going to give you a free t-shirt just to bless you and say thank you. And we'll have it out there at our foyer. I'll be there after service as well. You can just simply tear the bottom of this card, put the amount there, and bring it to them, and they'll get you your free t-shirt. There's three areas that we're needing help with. One is our launch budget for that 625 The second one, there's an area you can give towards our moving expenses. It says Lamberson's moving expenses. It takes a lot of resources to get all the way across the United States. And thirdly, we've got a couple of amazing staff coming with us that you can give towards staff sponsorship and their expenses with with Zay and Mallory down here. If you have it on your heart to do that, we need your help. We would love to have your help and to love you, love for you guys to be a part of the story and what God's doing out in Portland. But before we sing here, thank you all for being patient with me. We want to take communion before we get into worship. I want to pray over it with you. And then I want us to have this time where we tell God that we're available, that we surrender to him, that he gets our yes, that we'll adjust our lives to give a gift and to show our love like he's never seen before from us. Today, we've got communion to take, and Jesus tells us to take it off and and do it in remembrance of him, that we've got our bread, which represents his body. We've got the, the juice that represents his blood. And as we sing, you can take communion and spend a time to reflect upon your heart about the sacrifice that Jesus made for you so that we could live strong and healthy because his body was broken for us is that we can live clean and pure and righteous because of what his blood bought for us. So let's take a moment and pray over the elements here, and then we're going to stand to our feet and worship. Father, we come before you today. 
we thank you for the body that you gave for us. Father, we break this bread in remembrance of the sacrifice that you gave. Your body was broken so that ours didn't have to be, Lord, so that we live whole, spiritually, physically, mentally. Father, we receive that wholeness now in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for the blood today, that it washes us white as snow, that it makes us righteous, that it makes us forgiven. Father, we thank you for it today. Father, we receive of your blood, and we thank you for your righteousness and for your love for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.